Good morning. In yesterday's passage, Paul talked about the works believers do, building on the foundation of the gospel of Christ. But believers are not only builders, we are part of the building as well. That building, by the way, is the temple. In the passage before us today, Paul will emphasize the fact that we are God's temple, and he will give a warning that stems from this truth. While the warning is one that everyone who identifies with Christ needs to take seriously, there is also a tremendous promise which ought to bring comfort embedded in that warning. With that in mind, listen as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16-17. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Paul begins with the believer's position. Believers are God's temple. There are two Greek words that can be translated temple. One speaks of the whole temple complex, while the other speaks only of the actual temple. Paul says that believers are the temple itself. To understand the point Paul is making, it will be helpful to remember some of what the Old Testament teaches about the temple. The temple was the place where the Spirit of God dwelled among his people. The temple was where sacrifices were made. Only the priest, the high priest as a matter of fact, was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies of the temple, and he did that only once a year to stand in God's presence and make sacrifices. But now, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated, and the people of God are not limited to those who are part of the nation of Israel. The kingdom is made up of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation which means that the temple is not geographically situated in Israel. The people of God are now the temple of God. Given that the people of God are the temple, that means that now the Spirit of God dwells with his people. Think for a moment about the implication of this pronouncement. In the Old Testament, if someone wanted to go where God was, they had to go to Jerusalem to the temple. Now the place where God dwells is with and in his people. Often, when we think about the indwelling of the Spirit, we only think in terms of the benefit this bestows upon us, and that is biblical and appropriate. We are comforted, sealed, interceded for, etc. But there is far more to the indwelling of the Spirit, because we are also God's temple. This means that our lives together must manifest the reality of who we are. Together we are the temple of God in the world, and the world should see that manifest in us. There are other places in Scripture where the people of God are called the temple of God, so it would be good to briefly examine them. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19-20, through 20, Paul says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul says a lot here, but more than anything, he emphasizes the importance of the corporate nature of the church. The Spirit of God indwells every believer individually, but together the people of God are being built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This building project is ongoing and includes, includes those from every tribe, tongue, and nation, Jew and Gentile, brought together under the banner of Christ. 
And the Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, says this, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Like Paul does in Romans 12, Peter emphasizes the fact that we are living stones who make spiritual sacrifices. We are not an unmovable stone temple. The Church of Christ is alive and active in the world. Having established that we are the, the temple of God, Paul gives a warning which also includes a promise. The warning is this, God will destroy the one who destroys his temple. The content of the warning is directed at the Corinthians themselves, not at an outside threat. Often the church worries about the world being a threat to her existence. But Paul makes it clear that they were actually a threat to themselves. Now, let me be clear, the existence of the church is not in danger. But Paul is nonetheless warning them of the danger that they pose to themselves. In Romans 16, Paul gives a similar warning about those who would cause trouble in the church. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. The factionalism that divided them was a part of the problem, but they were also guilty of a whole host of other sins that threatened them from within. The warning is that God will destroy the one who destroys the church. God will not destroy his people who are a part of the temple he is building. So if there are those in the church of God that God needs to destroy, they are clearly not truly part of God's people. But the embedded promise is also there, and it's comforting. While the one destroying the church will be destroyed, the warning also means that God is protecting the church from those who would seek its destruction. God has not left his people alone. They are precious to him. They are his temple. And Paul makes that clear in the final verse of 17. God's temple is holy. As his people, we are set apart, beloved, and protected by God. And we are his temple. God dwells among us. As the people of God, God dwells with us. We are called out of the world to show forth his glory. We need to be careful and we must take comfort. Careful because God will defend his people against those who would seek to destroy him. And comforted because God will defend his people against those who would seek to destroy them. Today, I want to close in prayer for our Logic School students teachers, and administrators. And as always, I encourage you to go to the GSB devotional hymn playlist on Spotify and listen to one of the hymns we've chosen there. Join, we, join me now as we pray. Father, we're grateful for another day. We know that life is a gift from you. Help us not to take that for granted. Father, I pray for the Logic School students, teachers, parents, faculty, uh, administrators, pray that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. If they're at a part of the year now where things are starting to get a little bit more difficult, I pray that you would encourage them, uh, give them uh, strength uh, to endure and press on and do what they need to do, knowing 
that all we do here is to the end that we might all grow in Christ so that we might be a people who bring you glory. Thank you again for this day. Thank you for your word. I pray that we are comforted by it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.